message to us. If you have your Bibles tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, I'm going to read you a verse tonight that I think um, everybody is going to be challenged by. Actually, two passages. But notice verse 1 of chapter 10. Dead flies, now this is a, a Bible way to say it, and I hope you never forget it. Ready? Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. When making a beautiful smell and get dead flies in it and you, and you, you begin to burn the incense, it gives a bad smell. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Speaking about a testimony. And so, if you'll notice in the outline, Roman numeral one, notice in the outline, a great testimony can be easily destroyed by dead flies. Now, I'll give you an illustration. Years ago, I was a little boy and my grandmother, uh, I would go up every year and stay all summer with my grandparents. They had a a large farm ranch, 120 acres, and we had cattle and horses, and we'd go fishing and hunting. It was like heaven on earth to me. And my grandmother loved to cook. And so every once in a while, she would, uh, uh, we had all kinds of trees, fruit trees, so she would make a cherry pie, a cherry cheesecake pie. And I'm telling you, they were out of this world. And so my job as the grandson was to keep all the flies out of the, out of the house. So I would go through and try to kill them all. So when she fixed all the stuff, they keep in mind no air conditioning. Uh, they didn't have an indoor toilet. We had an outhouse. And so uh, it, it, I, I had a, a fly swatter. How many of you know what a fly swatter is? Good. How many of you used one regularly? Whoa. That's unusual, okay? All right, well, I got a fly swatter, and, and so I'd go around hunting for flies. Well, uh, I, would, I, was the fly, I was a fly killer, and so I'd go around for them, and it was no fun. It wasn't even a challenge if a fly had landed on the wall, and you walk up there and swat them. No. I'd give them a fighting chance. I'd go up like that, and they'd fly off. Then I would get them in the air. That was the challenge. So... I would watch those flies get around. Once in a while, they'd start doing this. They knew I was after them. They'd go like this, and I'd go, whop, right into that pie. And you know what? It ruined the pie for me. To see that fly over there wiggling around in my red cherry cheesecake, it was like, oh. And my grandmother would go over there and just dip it out. That's your piece. Ah, oh, Grandma, please, No. And so when I think of this verse, dead flies, I think of ruining that pie. Well, the Lord said it doesn't just ruin the pie, it ruins your testimony. So as you go through life, I want you to notice, if you would, in the outline, uh, A, dead flies could be what? Well, there could be, number one, selfish decisions will ruin anyone's testimony. Uh, and when I say selfish decisions, that is... Uh, uh, let me give you one. Uh, in, in the book of Acts, I, I've, I've sort of put it in here, Acts 13, 13. Uh, that's the one that jumps out at me. Uh, that's when John Mark was going with Paul and Silas, and John Mark quit serving the Lord, and he went back home. He made a very selfish decision. I don't want to do this anymore. Now, 
We don't know exactly the reason. I'm going to guess he felt like that uh, uh, maybe Paul was going to get him in trouble. Maybe Paul was going to get him uh, uh, beaten, and he didn't want to be a part of that. Maybe, maybe he just got tired of serving the Lord. He was a young man, and so he quit and went home. Now, understand, that's a very selfish decision. I don't want to serve the Lord anymore. Anybody in here made a decision like that early? Don't raise your hand, obviously. Early in life or even later in life. You know, I've asked the Lord. Oh, I, I saw my father make that decision. Middle age, quit the Lord. <clears throat> um, my father-in-law quit the Lord. Now, so to me in my heart, one of my dreams and goals in life is that I would finish my life doing right till the last day I die, the last breath I take, that I can look at the, the family around me and say, I, I want to do what's right today. And so a quick decision, a decision that we make that's selfish, I just don't want to go to church today. I just don't want to read my Bible today. Uh, uh, that's a selfish decision because the Lord's given me time to serve Him, and I don't want to use it. I just want to do what I want to do. Notice, if you would, not only that, number one. Number two, angry decisions and behaviors will certainly hurt people's view of you. Uh, do you remember the story of Shimei in the Old Testament? Whenever uh, uh, David was being run out of, uh, of Jerusalem by his own son, and his heart's broken, and he's leaving, and Shimei is a descendant of Saul, and he's jealous and bitter that David has taken over the kingdom, even though he knew that God had placed him there. And so uh, he begins to curse and to swear and throw rocks in the air. And David and his mighty men are on the other side of the valley. And he's on this side up on the hill. And he's throwing dust in the air and throwing rocks. A very foolish thing. So when David came back in, he was the first one that met him. Fell on his face and said, oh, I've been so foolish. Will you forgive me, David? Anger will get everyone in this room in trouble. The Bible says, anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So we have to be very careful. Anger is, is a drug that comes up within the heart and the body, adrenaline, and it begins to, something happens, and it kindles that, that adrenaline, gets up in our hearts, and it's almost like more than we can take. Now, the Lord says, there, I, I, I will, no temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. But I'll give you the strength to overrule it if you're doing what's right. And so an angry decision can ruin your reputation. It did, it did Shimei. It did Saul. Saul doesn't have any respect from anyone here. He took a javelin and got so angry at his own son when he tried to help David get away that he threw the javelin and tried to kill his own son. In anger, the Bible says. So you and I have to be very careful Anger will cause all of us to lose our testimony. If you have children and you, you lose your temper and you start yelling at your children, uh, you're going to give them an example that that's what a Christian is like and that's not what a Christian is like. Anger is something that will destroy your testimony. Notice number three, short-term or temporary decisions will hurt a testimony. 
I know many a person that's made a quick decision to get married or, or to go buy something or to go do something or to say what they wanted to. They, sh- they thought short-term, not long-term. And when we do that enough times, people begin to lose respect for us. Notice number four, unforgiveness can destroy what people respect about you. If you're not a forgiving person, people know that about you. The Bible says even a child is known by his doings. So if children are known by their doings, then what about adults that when we lose our temper or we, uh, uh, we find somebody does something or says something about them, we just turn our, our, our head away and we ignore them. Uh, we're unforgiving. Uh, our children know that. When they ride in the car, I, I, I don't like that guy. He did such and such. They see that we're unforgiving, and they pick up the same traits we have, only more so. You and I have to be very careful. Children are very impressionable, and that is why uh, a, a reputation of a father or a mother or a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer or a police officer is very important, but the reputation of a Christian is far more important than all of that. And you represent Christ in your home. So he says, look, him that is in reputation, you come to church. Did you know most people, when you come to church, they think you're a good Christian. Coming to church causes people to think that. Uh, one of the builders, one of the builders of this building came up to me in the lobby and says, well, I, I'm hoping that now that I, this is the first church I've ever built, I'm hoping that helps me when I stand before the Lord. Thinking that being, building a building helps his testimony. Folks, look, all of us in this room, we have to be very careful. Your testimony is critical to people listening to you about the gospel. To me too. I, I've heard I mean, I know there are preachers that lose their temper. Um, I remember in, in, in uh, 45, six years ago, we were in a, in a tournament, a state tournament, and a preacher was up on the top, and a call was made. He came down from there so angry and started arguing with the referees, and they threw him out. Can you imagine the testimony of that pastor in front of the boys that play ball the next Sunday morning? How would you ever get it back? Notice number five. Bad language will ruin your testimony almost instantly. Do you remember Peter? They said, you were with Jesus. No, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. And then all of a sudden, another girl came up to him and says, oh, you were with him. I saw you. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't me. And finally, a young girl came up to him and says, I, I know you. You were there. I am sure of it. Your speech betrays you. And he began to curse and to swear. And that settled it. He wasn't with Jesus. So bad language. It could not just be curse words as it was with, with, with Peter. It could be vulgar words, off-color jokes. Folks, your testimony, what people believe about you, opens the door of their heart to listen 
what you have to say about Jesus Christ. Or it closes the door. That's the reason when Jesus looked at Peter as he was raised from the dead and looked at Peter and, 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 and Peter, lovest thou me, Peter? And remember, Peter said, I die for you. Well, the next time Jesus looked at him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, if you look in the Greek text, he says, not agape you. He says, I phileo you. Phileo is brotherly love. Agape is God's love. For God so loved the world, agape love. That's the love you're willing to give your life for someone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Peter refused to use the word. And Jesus asked him three times. He never used the word agape. He just kept saying, Lord, you know I phileo you. But he couldn't say agape because he had failed. Now, we all know that later on, Peter changed his life, and he began to grow in the Lord to the point where God used him to write the books of First and Second Peter. So he had repaired his life. He began to walk like Christ. Look, no matter where you are, if you've got dead flies in your life, they don't have to stay there. That's yesterday. You can, you can get victory over anger. I, I've counsel with people that, uh, I remember one guy that got so angry at his wife, he threw his keys in the wall and had to dig them out of the wall. He would break plates on the wall, and within 30, 45 days, uh, we met back. We've been working on it regularly. His wife says, well, I tell you, he's so different now. But he memorized Scripture and realized that God was watching him. He never really thought of that. He said, I have to fix this. And it wasn't for his wife's sake. It was the eyes of the Lord in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And he couldn't live with himself knowing Jesus Christ was watching him throw those keys against the wall. Oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. So whether it's bad language. Now, here, here I never heard my father curse. I never heard my father tell a dirty joke ever. But just because he didn't do that, he stopped serving the Lord. So you and I have to purpose in our heart. I, I, I'm not going to say bad words and do those kind of things. And, and I don't want to lie and cheat. And I, I don't want to. Uh, but, but all I have to do is let one word slip. And none of you would have respect for me. Because dead flies run a testimony for him that is in reputation of wisdom and honor. And you in this room. You're in church on a Wednesday night. It's not Sunday morning. You are somebody if you would come to church on a Wednesday night in spiritual things. The question is, now, when you leave this building, are you willing to get rid of those dead flies? All of us can have them, but the Lord Jesus can give us victory over them, and we can kill them and get rid of them. Notice, if you would, uh, six in the outline, uh, dead flies are anything that caused damage to an otherwise wonderful testimony. And folks, you work a lifetime to build a testimony. Now, listen very carefully. If you make a mistake, if one of those dead flies comes back up and it harms your testimony, 
There's one thing you can do and one thing only. You can look at the person or the people that saw you do whatever that dead fly was and say, please forgive me. I was wrong. I'm going to go work on that so that it never happens again. Will you forgive me? That raises the level of respect very quickly. Then they begin to watch to see if what you said was true. But if it is, their respect level goes up farther than it was before. So it's important that all of us in this room learn this lesson. Now notice with me, if you would, uh, in, in the outline B, uh, we are in charge of our testimony. It's us. I'm not in charge of Joseph's testimony. I'm not in charge of Janet's testimony. I can't be. It's not like the Lord wants me to go around and say, Jeff, you, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do it. Downs, you shouldn't do this. shouldn't do that. Uh, uh, Patrick, you shouldn't do this. shouldn't do that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And you and I listen to the Holy Spirit, and we say, oh, I'm so sorry. Does anybody know what Peter did when he cursed and swore? What happened right after that? The Bible says that Jesus caught his eye. What did he do? Can anybody tell me what he did? Ken? He began to weep. He broke down. The Bible says he wept bitterly. That moment changed Peter's life. And when he came time to, for death, history says that when they said, we're going to crucify you like we did, Jesus said, please don't. I'm not worthy. Crucify me upside down. And they did. Peter grew up. Got rid of the dead flies. Gained respect for God that God allowed him to write two books of the Bible. Wow, that's what I want to be. I want to be, I want to be like Peter. I want to get rid of all my dead flies and say, Lord, help me to do what's right. Now, notice if you would, see in the outline, there's a big difference between foolishness and wisdom. Now, here's sort of the second part. There's three parts of this chapter. The first part is dead flies. It's your testimony. But then it sort of blends into wisdom and foolishness, which those two things help make up our testimony. So notice, if you would, uh, see in the outline, there's a big difference between foolishness and wisdom. Now, notice, one, wisdom is supposed to be normal, and foolish is supposed to be abnormal, not the, the other way around. And so when we're teenagers and, and we're growing up, and, and uh, there, there's one guy, and he's always funny. He's always getting people to do things that maybe are not all that, uh, that smart and not all that wise or driving too fast or or, or doing this or doing that. And so all of a sudden, hey, uh, and, and he gets into real trouble one day or gets you into real trouble, but you begin to look at it and say, well, that's pretty, that's, that's really normal for people to be foolish when they're teenagers. It's not normal. It's abnormal. Wisdom is normal at every age. Notice if you would, to our decisions, whether we like it or not, tell people whether we are wise or foolish. You, you tell me this. We had a man in our church one time, and he called and said, Pastor, could I come by and talk to you? I said, sure. He came by, and I said, wow, that's a beautiful truck. He said, yeah, that's what I came to talk to you about. I said, what do you mean? I said, did you just buy that? He said, yes, sir. 
I said, you don't seem very happy. He said, I'm not. He said, I went to the dealership to look. I, I just, I didn't want to buy it, but they put a lot of pressure on me and I bought the truck. And now I got to make payments for five years. My truck was paid for. Wise, foolish, very foolish. And I watched him work to pay off that truck for five years. He didn't make that mistake again. He was very careful. How many of you, now watch this, how many of you have ever purchased something that you went out to your car and said, why did I get that? I'm not talking about lots of money, but maybe you bought something and said, I didn't need that. Why did I buy that? Anybody ever done that other than me? Would you raise your hand? Let me see it. Make me feel better. Okay, good. I see a lot of hands. Okay, we look at it. We don't want our children to see us do things like that unless we say, you know, kids, one of the kids walks up and says, hey, mommy, we've got three of those at home. Ah, I'm so sorry, kids. That was a wrong decision for me. I wasn't very wise. That's the way you fix it. And then your children learn, mommy made a bad decision, daddy made a bad decision, but they're not going to do it again. That's what we teach our children. Anybody here got perfect kids? No. So we have to teach them how to handle when they make a mistake. You say you're sorry, ask for forgiveness, tell the Lord you need his strength, and then you use wisdom and not foolishness. Notice, if you would, in the outline. Three, humility settles and calms those that have a grievance toward us. Look at verse 4. If the spirit of a ruler rise up against thee, you make a ruler mad. Leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. Yielding. Humbleness. Just be humble. Don't get up and argue with the ruler. Be humble. I know of a lady. Her and her husband were in divorce proceedings. She was pressing the issue. And the judge was listening to both sides, trying to make a decision. And she, he asked her if she had something to say. She said yes. She got up and lambasted the judge and said, this is very foolish for me to be here. You know better than this. And he took her kids away. Right there. Gave her to the husband, the children. You know Why? She refused to be humble. He said, ma'am, if you don't stop talking, if you don't change the subject, you're going to be in big trouble. She wouldn't stop. Foolishness is to be abnormal. Wisdom is to be normal. Notice, if you would, humility helps settle the issue. Notice verse 4. For yielding pacifies great offenses. If you and I have done something we shouldn't have done, humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. The Bible, the, the Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up, Psalm 75. So the idea is that we don't know how to humble ourselves. We as Americans are not a very humble people. You don't hear on television, look, that's a great player. He's very humble. You don't hear that very often. Uh, Janet and I were watching a basketball game, and I will never forget this. Uh, people say he's one of the top five players in the world. 
And so he had just shot like zero for 13 in the first three quarters, and he got hot in the fourth quarter and hit like five out of five, won the game for his team, and the interviewer went up to him and said, hey, uh, tell us uh, what happens. He said, well, I want to humbly say I'm one of the greatest players in the world. That's what happens. It's like I want to throw up on my TV because there are no great players that humble themselves and tell you, hey, I'm humble. You can't do that. You see, you yield to that position when you and I have made a mistake. We humble ourselves, and then people listen. Then people are in a more forgiving mood. And that's what he's saying, for yielding pacifies great offenses. If you humble yourself, there's a chance you can be forgiven. Now, notice with me, if you would, uh, number four, wisdom must be valued, not foolishness. Notice, if you would, in verse six, folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in a low place. Look, you, you don't want to, you don't ever want to get in your position where you praise someone that does foolish things. Maybe they get away with it, but you don't praise them for that. You don't respect them for that. And what he's saying is, is that. Wisdom should be valued. You want to praise young men, young ladies that make good decisions, that use wisdom. Notice, if you would, five in the outline. Sometimes the fool is praised and the wise is put down, but God is the final judge. And you and I have noticed that. We know that there's a God in heaven and he's going to make the wrongs right. It's not up to us. If we just keep doing what's right, the Lord takes care of it. Notice verse number six in the outline. Wisdom can help us get more done with less stress. Notice if you would in verse 10. If the iron be blunt on an axe is the, is the assumption here. And he do not wet the edge. You don't make it sharper. Then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. If you use wisdom, you sharpen your axe more often, and you can get more done. Uh, I don't know about you. Have you ever used a, a dull drill bit, and you're trying to drill through something, and all of a sudden it starts burning, and you say, well, if I push it a little harder, it'll go through. That's exactly what it's saying. You're using more effort. All you got to do is get a, a, a drill bit that's, that's sharp, and it goes zip, and there's no effort. So notice what he says. If the iron be blunt and he did not wet the edge, then must he put more of the work to, to strength to it. So there are things that are just common sense and wisdom. And he says, use wisdom. Learn to use wisdom. It will enhance your testimony. Everybody in this room, use wisdom with your finances. It will enhance your testimony. Use wisdom with your language. It will enhance your testimony. Use wisdom with your work ethic. It will enhance your testimony. Notice, if you would, then there, there's three parts of this passage. Dead flies, using wisdom. And notice number three in the outline, Roman number two. One must be wise about all that we say and do. Look at verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. Now he gets into the words that we use. I want you to notice, if you would, verse 13. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. That's the fool. And notice, if you would, in the outline, 
A, a wise man is gracious in his words. A fool's words will get him into trouble and give him a bad reputation. If you look, i put a verse here, Colossians 4, 6. You know, uh, we, we want the words of our mouth to be acceptable to the Lord. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know what, every, what you ought to answer every man. So the idea is in Colossians 4, 6 is that when you begin to say, I got to be careful what I say. I want to filter. That's what salt does. It's a preservative. I want to filter what I say. Then when you pause a little bit, you'll know what to answer. You just don't fly off your answer. And that's what he's saying here. Notice verse 13, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. It's like you just blurt out an answer. Um, I'll give somebody a piece of my mind. It's almost always the wrong piece. We have to learn the lesson there. Notice verse 15, the labor of verse 14, a fool also is full of words. If you talk a lot, you're probably going to make some statements you regret. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? If you've got a guy that talks a lot, you can't tell him much. Notice in verse number 15, the labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them. You know, when we are foolish, we don't work hard. Notice, if you would, in the outline, B, we should be careful not to say things in private that run people down or are hurtful. The Lord has a way of exposing what we say. Look at verse 20. I'm going to come back to verse 18 in a minute. Look at verse 20. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. The Lord has a way, when you and I talk about people, to let it get around. And people know to be careful of you. A gossip is known by everybody except the gossip. A person that talks about people People know that. We have to be very careful because our words, the Lord allows the birds to carry. Obviously not birds, but the idea is that someone we never expect says something that we said, and it comes back to bite us. Now notice, if you would, see in the outline, one that talks too much is usually one that does less than he should. We must work diligently to keep the things God has given to us. Look at verse 18. By much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. The idea is we do more talking and not enough laboring. The wise man says a little less but works a little more. The foolish man is talking, talking about others, talking about things, but not doing the things they ought to do to maintain what God has given to them. That's what verse 18 is saying. And notice if you would D in the outline, we should, be, we should talk less and be careful of our words and be more diligent in the things we ought to do. God blesses the wise and the diligent. Now, I want you to notice, if you would take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 27. 
And I want you to see this. We're going to look at a couple of verses, and we're done. I want you to notice. Proverbs 27. Look at verse 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. Look, keep up with how many animals you have. Keep up with how many things that you have. Notice what he says. He says, and look well to thy herds. Make sure you take care of them. Psalm 23 is a great psalm explaining what a shepherd does. When he says he takes us by still water, sheep do not like water that moves, scares them. They don't drink. So he says he takes them by still waters. And, uh, and, and the, the lambs and the uh, sheep really drink thoroughly, but they won't if you take them with fast-moving water. And he says, you know, when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. He's trying to say, I walk with my sheep. Many times that valley would, would have crags on it where there would be uh, wolves and there would be uh, 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 mountain lions. And so they would pounce on the, the lambs and the sheep unless the shepherd is there. And he says, uh, for thou art with me when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What he's trying to say is that when you and I take care of things that we ought to take care of, when we watch out for that which we have, like a shepherd does its sheep, like a parent should their children, like our Heavenly Father does to us, then our things are maintained. Our hearts are clean because we're trying to do what we do for the Lord's sake. Notice with me, if you would, Proverbs 10 and verse 4. I want you to see this verse. Proverbs 10 and verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. In other words, if you don't share what you have with others that need it, if you're not a generous person, he says, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Why? But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Why? Because there's a God in heaven that blesses those people that are generous with what they have. If you deal with a slack hand, the Lord said, I'm not going to bless you. But he says, if you work diligently, I'll bless diligence. So there are principles that are in Scripture that if we say, oh, Lord, give me wisdom, then I'll work hard. I'll be diligent. And that makes us not foolish but wise. Now, let's back up and say, use wisdom about your testimony. Should I have said that? Should I have thought that? Now, folks, I want you to see something, and I'm going to close. I have a testimony with you in what I do, but I have a testimony with the Lord in what I think because the Lord sees my thoughts. The Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin. And the Lord is displeased with me and has very little respect for me when I do right in front of you, but think right, think wrong in front of him. So tonight, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Be a wise man. Get rid of the dead flies. Let the Lord bless you. Let's bow our heads forward to prayer tonight. I'm going to ask Penis to play a verse of invitation hymn and I invite you, if you've struggled 
Maybe there's a dead fly that I didn't mention, but the Holy Spirit's touched your heart. Maybe you'd come to this altar and say, Lord, I want victory over this thing. Maybe, maybe you, Lord, I need more wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. The Lord said, I'll give you wisdom. But he won't give you wisdom if you're not willing to obey it. Tonight, let's get rid of the dead flies and walk as wise men. Father, speak to our hearts. Help your word to never be forgotten. Ecclesiastes 10.1, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Lord, give us wisdom. Help us to obey the wisdom you give us. Even think right that we might have a great reputation with you. Now speak to hearts tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed as the pianist plays. Maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I just want to talk to you tonight. I want victory over this. Lord, I want your hand of blessing. Maybe you haven't been as diligent as you should be. I encourage you to use wisdom in how you put forth effort. We're going to go to prayer in just a moment. I encourage you to pray loud enough for your partner to hear if you have someone with you. Quiet enough not to disturb those around you. When you're finished praying, and there's a, a prayer list in your bulletin, and if you don't have anybody to pray for, I encourage you to pray for some of the folks there. There are some folks that are really in harm's way spiritually, physically. There's some people that are unsaved. Let's pray for them tonight. And when you're finished, slip to the lobby, fellowship with those out there. The children will be out in five or ten minutes. Take a little time to pray. Thank you for coming tonight. May the Lord bless you as you pray.